It's Anything Goes with Kim Burns. So here's your host, Kim Burns. Welcome to Anything Goes. I'm Kim Burns. And I'm Meredith Bach. Meredith Bach, my faithful co-host, is here today. And we have a really, uh, actually, it is a big show. Big show. We're going to try to get through everything that we're trying to do today. We're going to be welcoming... Gia Bokra, who is in Orlando, Florida, and... She's a, a wonderful golf teaching pro uh, based in New Jersey, and she has an incredible new program that she's developing called Golf Experiences for Her, which we'll talk a little bit about. She's also, because she's at the PGA show today, where there's about a 1,000 vendors and suppliers to the golf industry, Gia's going to give us a quick overview on how that's going and uh, what we can expect in the golf business coming going forward. Yeah, but Gia's got a lot going on, aside from just being at the PGA. She is considered one of the uh, top, top instructors yes. in the country, yep. uh, along with having put together programs for women golfers, which I can't wait to talk to her about because I think that we still are not familiar with yeah. women golfers like we are, for example, with uh, professional Absolutely. tennis players. Absolutely, and golf is such a great opportunity to you know, conduct business and yep. um, do things with your family, so it'll so be fun we'll, to we'll hear from we'll be talking from, to Gia about that. Her, and yeah. then we're also talking about tennis. We're going to get back to oh, that boy. in a minute. Okay. We are also going to be talking with Carol Evans, who is the CEO of of Executive Women for Her and founder and president of Working Mother Media. Carol was responsible for organizing approximately 2,400 women to go down to Washington in March last week. I love And I can't unfortunately, wait to hear. I wasn't one of them. I would have gone if I could have, but mm-hmm. I want to hear firsthand what she thought about it at not only as a participant, but as somebody who organized this incredible historical historical march. Mm-hmm. We are then going to be talking to a couple of gals from the Daughters of the American Revolution. Right. We we're, we're going to have Alice Ridgway, who's the uh, regent for the state of Connecticut. Um, she's going to be calling in from uh, up in the Hartford area. And then we also have um, our local Greenwich person from the DAR, Linda Tavlero. Le- Tavlarios, thank you. Um, and she's going to be talking a little she's bit right about... She's right here correcting us, by yes, the way. Yes, we're glad she's here. And she's going to talk about what's going on in the Greenwich Daughters of the American Revolution and um, and how all that works um, all the way up through the state and the national level. Yes, and we can't wait to hear about that because it has so much to do with what's happening with Americana right yes. now and a little bit of a theme. We got, yeah. a lot of, we got a lot of that going on yeah. today. I want to talk about one of America's favorite pastimes, which is comedy. And on Tuesday night, I was so happy to be part of a big extravaganza at the comic strip down on 2nd Avenue. And How was it? You know, it was really amazing. Gladys Simon, it's her room. She runs the room. It was an 8 o'clock show. And I was happy to say that for one of the first times, my name was on the board outside. How cool is that? That was good. And we had a huge lineup. Uh, uh, Dan Natterman, I just want to give a shout out to him. He was unbelievable. One of our headliners and the show. The show went on almost three hours. I mean, I was like, how fun! Way past my bedtime. Yeah. I didn't even go on the stage till ten o'clock. Oh boy! Which is really, I mean, I'm I've been in bed for a half an hour but normally. Your energy, you, you must, your juices are flowing. You're laughing a lot. We had it's a we be... had a full we had a full crowd, and it was really amazing. And Gladys does these extravaganzas once a month, so I'm going to let you guys know when 
the upcoming March event is. I will not be in that show because okay. I'll be out of town, but I will be in the April okay, show. Okay, good. I'm excited for you. Okay, so that was that was fabulous, and we always love to give our updates on what's happening with the subway because I'm a big subway okay. fan. I think everybody should take public transportation. Anyway, let's just say that New Yorkers were spared a three dollar subway and bus fare increase. Oh well, it would have been would have going been up $3, to three bucks, yeah. but it's going to stay uh, at two seventy five. The MTA board buckled under public pressure and approved a plan that keeps it at that base Good. rate. And really, what it has to do with is that. Uh, you know, these board members were saying, particularly Yadnes Rodriguez, that they represent a community with a higher than average number of people living under the poverty line. And there are many New Yorkers across the city in a similar situation. And basically, these people are taking the subway to get to work, often for jobs that are below minimum wage and cannot afford this increase. And so I'm just thrilled that this is not going to occur for those folks. Yeah, that's good. I did did hear today that there will be an increase on Metro North, but you know, that's a different story. I think the Metro card for New York City's transportation is is critical. The the monthly is going to increase and that uh, takes effect March 19th. Okay. So thanks for bringing that up. Uh, tennis, tennis. We had a oh huge Bob, Bob Small on I'm board. Exhausted. Was just asking you, you didn't make it up to for the whole event. No, about? I am sorry, I did. You not. weren't up at three a.m. <laughs> to see Roger Federer win in five sets against Stan Wawrinka, so he'll be going to the finals. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, tonight Nadal is playing. Uh, I forgot who, but anyway, wouldn't it be great if it was a Federer Nadal final? Yeah. It would be mean, amazing. What, what could be better? It's. I be, I've watched him play. He is vintage Roger. He's healed. He's healthy. And it's such a pleasure to watch. And he's just having a blast at 35. He's just prancing around in his usual magical way. Jim Courier did an interview with him the other night when he beat um, uh, Zverev in three sets very, very handily. And they started talking about, you know, their kids and how they're enjoying traveling in Australia and things like that. And it was just so nice to see Roger in a less serious mode, even though he's such a professional. And um, I'm excited to see the finals. I'm going to DVR that for sure, and I will be watching the match this afternoon at some point. Good. Well, then we're going to get an update from you. And then the women's. There were three Americans in the semifinals last night. Coco Mm. Vandeweghe played Venus Williams. And unfortunately, I was looking forward to Coco uh, having a little bit of an upset, but Venus beat her in three sets. Mm. And um, Serena was playing the spoiler, really, Mariana Lucic, who... um, is originally from Slovenia and uh, Croatia, I believe, and who has had a great story. She pl- she was in her last semifinals in a major, uh, I believe, 18 years ago uh, back in Wimbledon. So this woman has gone through a lot. If you've been following tennis, um, she's had a, a very bumpy road, and um, she's she's really a, 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 a lot of years to hang in there. Journey woman, and and Renee Stubbs interviewed her uh, the other night when she she won. And said, I- I'm very emotional, uh, Mariana, because the last time you played in a se- uh, in a tournament where you got to the semifinals, you played against me and you beat me. So that was kind of uh, poetic, and uh, it was very fun to watch her do well. And in fact, Mariana's brother was our our tennis pro in row eight in a couple summers ago. So a nice tie into the local community. Um, but anyway, the bottom line is Serena beat her, and it will be a Venus Serena final at the Australian Open. Wow. 
So who they, wouldn't love to be there for that? I know it's going to be a big deal. And uh, Serena obviously has uh, the one up on that one. So hopefully it'll be a match to watch. Well, we'll after see. Djokovic and Andy Murray went down, it's nice to see some of the all. Exactly. I love that there were three Americans in the semis for women. I thought that was really strong. Hopefully the men will start to pick up that pace. But um, a little bit more on the uh, sports side. Tiger Woods is back in action. He's playing at the uh, Farmers Insurance Tournament at Torrey Pines this week. Um, he has his back. It, it seems good. Um, I've seen his swing. He still has a lot of power, and um, I think uh, he will be a force. He had to change equipment. Uh, Nike is walking away from uh, making golf clubs and things like that. So T- uh, Tiger just signed a deal with TaylorMade, who also owns Adidas, and I'm sure he made a few dollars on that deal. Hopefully, I'm, the equipment. You know, I'm will really work. not that worried about Tiger Woods' bank account. Yeah, I'm yeah. just not. Yeah. Well, it'll be good for ten or for golf to have people watching again. He's always a story, whether he's playing well or not. And the networks and the Golf Channel that that follow him always have a story because everyone wants to hear what Tiger's up to. They do, and everybody also wants to talk about the passing of Mary Tyler oh, Moore yes. at the age of eighty here in Greenwich, Connecticut. Yes, now uh, yesterday, uh, what what woman and and man Bob. Where you were, you had to have been a fan of Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, right from uh, the from Dick, Dick Van Dyke, Dick Van, right. and yep. Laura right. Petrie in the uh, yep. famous Dick Van Dyke show. Where that well, she story... was only twenty three. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when you look back on that, you amazing. think. I mean, I don't know because you're yeah. a kid and you're thinking, right. well, she's a mom and she looks some. It seems so yeah. much older, and then yeah. find out she's twenty three. He was eleven years older. That yeah. show took place. It was set in Rye or in uh, uh, New Rochelle, Rochelle. New Rochelle. Right. Yes. and he would commute into New York and yeah. right. Do his thing. I loved watching that show and obviously the song and, and all of that. But that wasn't what really made her famous. I mean, it was when she became Mary Richards yes. in Minneapolis on that very great newsroom show. It was such a great show. Who can turn the world on with her smile? I love that show, and I know every song, every word, and the fashion in the opening credit, you know, part of the show is amazing, and uh, that took place in Minneapolis. That that whole thing was uh, set in Minneapolis, and she had people on the show like Betty White and um, uh, Rhoda, who is Valerie Harper, and just yeah, incredible Yeah, and I, you cast. know, when, when I was in my late 20s and 30s yeah. and living in an apartment, I kept waiting to have fabulous neighbors like Phyllis yeah. and Rhoda, and yeah. it never happened. How about, um, who was the doorman? What was his name, Bob? Do you remember? Um, we'll have to think about that one. Yeah, but wasn't he the producer of the show? He might have been, but playing, you playing only the heard his voice. You only heard his voice. But, you know, working with uh, Lou Grant and um, all those the guys, uh, Gavin McLeod and... That that Ted crew, Baxter, Ted they Baxter, all, they were all amazing. amazing. But one of one of the things that I remember distinctly from watching that show was I loved her apartment and I thought, wow, someday I'm going to have an apartment like that. And because my name is Meredith, beginning with the letter M, I always fixated on that big letter M that she had on her wall. And I actually brought one into the studio today. That's my mini M for my adult <laughs> life. But I did make one at woodworking class that size, and I had it in my room through college, and I loved. it. I love that. Well, she she was fabulous. I saw an interview with uh, her and Brian Gumble, and she had been talking about it. at the time she had been married to Grant Tinker, mm-hmm. and they had created MTM. 
And they had done in, uh, amazing shows way beyond uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show. Or the, yeah. You know, and all the spinoffs. She took no credit mm. for all the decisions that were made in that production company. It was amazing how humble yeah. she remained throughout what her career. What a pioneer. Career. What a pioneer. And, 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 but never really owned it to mm-hmm. a degree. Mm-hmm. Just kept, went on with her career. And, yeah. And, uh, and everyone loved working with her. All the people talking about her over the last day or two have just said what a wonderful person, a nice person. And, you know, there, there really was not a lot of controversy with her. There wasn't. No, and rest, rest in peace, there, there is a lot of controversy going on mm-hmm. with my good friend, El Chapo, oh. who, as we know, <laughs> was brought to the States just last week and was yeah. brought to Brooklyn and is being held. And, you know, one of his huge complaints when he was in a Mexican prison was that he was being groped. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, so, of course, I have all uh, like this whole like hilarious bit that I did on Tuesday night about how he has told all his foot soldiers that he no longer should gouge out the eyes of all the enemies, that he should just have them groped. Oh, my God. Possibly. <laughs> and for the highest torture. That sounds torturous. Evidently, yes. this was the thing that really, really drove him mad. But uh, the, the notorious drug kingpin, he's also, his real name is Joaquin Guzman. He will appear via video at his next court date in Brooklyn due to safety concern for the marshals who have to transport him because, as we know, he has twice escaped prisons in Mexico and is now being held in Manhattan. But they're a little bit nervous about being responsible for his getaway because he's got so many people working for oh him. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. <laughs> I think he's he's really. I mean, aside from Sean Penn and right. you know the soap opera star being involved in his <laughs> yeah. huge drama. I mean, this is real. This is a true character. This guy, right? I, it's unbelievable. I've been following it a little bit, and when the whole Sean Penn angle came into play, I just thought, this is you can't write, make this stuff up. You know, but Sean really got a lot of flack for that. Mostly, the number one reason is that he was quote, posing as a journalist. Oh, right. And everybody was sort of annoyed with that. Yeah. It's like, you know, Sean, I, I, he does a lot of humanitarian work. Sure. This wasn't humanitarian work. Mm-hmm. So. All right. So what else you got? What's happening, you know, with Oscar nominations? Are well, you are okay. you happy with the First results? First of all, I felt really badly that um, Amy Adams and Tom Hanks were uh, incorrectly uh, n- noted as, as having been nominated how would that feel? I, well, a, a, Amy Adams in particular, but I don't. Did you see Sully? Uh, yes, I did. I thought it was terrific. I, I did too, except for that I thought Tom Hanks. It was it, it was Tom Hanks. He's yeah. he's always good. He can turn but into it whatever wasn't, character. But it wasn't fabulous. And we knew the story, and I thought yeah. it, I thought it was and good. I, I learned that, some things. I you know, know. And Clint Eastwood was also ignored for Sully as the director. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, and I. I that was okay with me too because I thought that it was a good film, but they had to really blow out of proportion mm-hmm. the interrogation yeah. into his landing on the Hudson. Yes, yes. And it was sort of falsified because there's no actual drama except for, okay, he hit the water, everybody yeah, loves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could see why that would be ignored. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was all right. I, there are how many, eight, six or eight movies as best picture? I think I've seen all of them, but the one with Jeff Bridges, Hell or High Water. So I love everything he does. Yeah, he's great. Um, and you love La La Land. I love La La Land. But a lot of critics are saying 14 nominations, seems wrong, like a lot. over the top, yeah. tied with yeah. Titanic. No, I mean, it, more than Casablanca, yeah. Sound of Music. I, all, people are really when having a I problem about. When I watched it, I, um, I liked it, but I didn't, I, I wasn't, um, my M just fell over, sorry. <laughs> 
Um, I wasn't, um, I, I think I had better, more expectations for it. Something wasn't quite right. Hello, this is Carlton, your doorman. That's it. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Carlton. And we are going to be talking with Carol Evans. Carol, how are you? No, we've got Gia on the oh, phone. We've got Gia on the phone. Gia, I'm so sorry. You know, we're skipping right ahead. We're skipping right ahead. We have a packed show today, Gia. So. Gia, how are you? You're in okay. Florida. Hey. You're in Florida. Yes. Yes, what's going on? Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Gia. Um, tell us a little bit about what you've been seeing at the PGA show. It's been pretty cool. There's a lot of good stuff out there. A lot of uh, the new clothing vendors have kind of popped up, and um, there's a couple new teaching aids that are pretty neat to get the golfers playing uh, playing their best golf. And um, Well, the, the way they're going to do that is to take a lesson from you. Tell us a little bit about your background okay. and, and how you've become – uh, really engaged in the golf business from teaching and, and all of that. And just, just a quick note to our listeners, I've known Gia for about 10 years. She was the um, the host of an amazing television show called The Wandering Golfer, and I used to outfit Gia with her wardrobe when I was at Ralph Lauren doing all the golf, and um, it was really a lot of fun, and we had a great time getting her out there all over the world. So tell us a little bit about about that as well as, you know, just how you've gotten into golf. Meredith, I, I- I loved um, I loved working with you, and obviously the clothes were a huge perk. It was amazing to be in the, uh, the Ralph Lauren clothes, so um, that was super cool. And the, the bonus, the big bonus out of that um, meeting was that we got to become friends, so that was cool. Um, yeah, so I've been in the golf business now for about uh, 20 years. I played some college golf, um, picked up the game kind of late. I was almost 16 um, when I started playing and um, found that um, – I liked golf, but I thought it was really hard, um, so that kind of challenged me, and and um, I ended up uh, working for some really great golf uh, professionals that um, kind of pointed me in a good direction. It turned out that I'm a good communicator, so um, teaching became a natural fit, and I, um, I was able to uh, work with um, some of the top instructors in the country, um, including one of my mentors, Mike Adams, who I've been with now for over 13 years, and... Um, yeah, I've learned uh, a ton about instruction. I, um, well, I've learned a, a lot about... Mm-hmm. Gia, who who's your most interesting person that you've given golf lessons to? Anybody Anybody we know? Um, goodness. Well, I've played golf with Donald Trump. Tell us about probably that. probably relevant. Yep, yep. <laughs> I worked with Trump. <laughs> I worked for Donald Trump in 04, 05, 06 at his Bedminster Club in New Jersey, which was awesome because it was a startup and... Um, really great he was very nice to me and um uh he's got a nice golf game we played some golf together i think i played golf with him down at uh, his course down in florida as well a little bit this is years ago but um he's got a great attention to detail a really good eye and um that's his sport that's his sport right that's his baby yeah oh yeah, yeah. He'll tell you he's got the best golf courses in the world. <laughs> of course he does. Of course, of course he would tell us that. So, so that had to be interesting. So, what uh, what's happening with the with the PGA? We were talking earlier about how we'd like to see uh, women's golf get a little bit more visibility, and with people like you, that could be possible. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, no, I'm like super excited about what I'm doing. Um, I just launched a business. Um, I have three young children, and so I just couldn't help myself. I needed to do more. Oh, congratulations, and, uh, so, Gia. That's amazing. Thanks. So I launched some golf experiences for her. So basically it's um, marrying golf instruction with high-end lifestyle events, 
um, creating a super sophisticated, cool day um, for women. And, um, you know, think executives, I think business women, I think stay-at-home moms that are looking for a special day out. So they come to the club, and I, I, I throw cool, really cool swag at them. Mm-hmm. Um, they get great gifts. They get some instruction. We have a couple cocktails. It's just a, a, a great day. We put the phones away. And, and where, and where is other. this going on? I, I love the idea because I think with I, – I have three children myself, and it's really hard to devote the amount of time that golf requires – when you're this busy. And so I love the idea of incorporating some work into it. I used to play a lot of golf. I, I just can't seem to find the time right now. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I'm um, I, I'm teaching at Hamilton Farm Golf Club in Gladstone, New Jersey. So that's where the, the main, the home base of this is going to be. But you could, However, you could move um, this anywhere you wanted to if you had anywhere. a client. Yeah, said... Mar-a-Lago. I could see it in Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, I have some resorts that are interested. I might be doing one at the Rao. Um, oh, March. I have a new client for oh, you. Oh, perfect. I have a client. I've, met, I've had some lunch with somebody, a woman executive yesterday, and she wants to sign up, so I'm going to send her your cool. way. Cool. I will fly, and I have some really great um, other female instructors that are willing to go. We have a nice size group, and um, I, can, I can pretty much make anything happen. Um, I feel really confident about it. That's great. So are there, are there new types of clubs that you can recommend for female golfers in particular? Um, actually, uh, there's a, a new female manufacturing company called Coates Golf, C-O-A-T-E-S, and it's a performance club. Um, they've done some, they've done a, a, a cool job. They, uh, the clubs are, aren't, they're, they're not pink and they're not sparkly and they're, they're like black. They're like cool. They've got a, a, a really great aesthetic to them. Um, they've got a nice feel to them. I've hit the golf clubs and, um, the company's really trying to grow the game for, for, for women. So I, I, I think that's a, a nice, um, a nice company to, to take a look at. I also think, you know, Callaway always does a great job with the, with the, with the women's club. I love my Callaway um, clubs. Yeah. I yeah. Love those. Yeah. Me too. I'm playing Callaway. Yeah. I, you know, so there's uh you know, TaylorMade always does a nice job. So your, your, your big name brands always put out and, and do think about the ladies. So, um, that's a good thing. And always right. go ladies. You got to take out the five irons, take out the four irons, even maybe take out your six irons, throw in the hybrid. Okay. Get some more loss on the clubs. And, and it just makes it much easier to get the ball down the fairway. Do you, are, do you, do you think that times have changed a little bit where women aren't as much second-class citizens on the course as they have been? I mean, when I grew up, my, my father was basically like, I mean, you, you know, you get to go out at twilight, and that was about it. Right. Yeah. No, it's really, really changed. And the thing that I would love women to know is that you need to just do it. Like, the way that men learn is they just find their buddies, they follow what they do, and they figure it out. You know, women like information. They like to be confident. They like to know what they're doing. But you really just need to give it a shot. Give it a try. Yeah. You might not. You, and, again, it doesn't have to be the full time. You go out, play three holes with your friends. Then, you know, go have a lunch or, 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 or head out. Or but even a, like a nine, nine holes on a par three I think is really great perfect. for people who can't commit to That's what I try to do now. It's about yeah, the right amount of perfect. time. Yeah. Well, Gia, yeah. we've run out of time here today, but we're so okay. happy that you've called us from the 64th PGA Merchandise Show down in Orlando. We hope you have a good time wandering around those gigantic hallways, and uh, we look forward to hearing more about the golf experience for her coming up. Uh, we're going to get some feedback from you in a couple of weeks and see how it's going. And, and let us know about uh, if it's at Doral. That's that's close by. We can, yeah, or anywhere in Westchester or Connecticut. We'll join you. Awesome. Would love it. Thank Gr- you, ladies. Great, Gia. Thanks so much. Okay, take care. Thank you, Jia. 
we were just speaking with Gia. Gia Bokra from the PGA show, our, our, our resident PGA touring professional or a professional uh, instructor for us. I think she's going to be our new instructor. Yeah, too. I mean, I think it's really amazing what she's doing for women golfers everywhere. Yeah. And I'd love to see that a higher profile come out because, first yeah. of all, I think that golfing is a very, very therapeutic sport. It's really fun. I yep. love. I get it. I love being out there. I like that whole atmosphere. Check out Gia's website, Golf Experiences for Her, and you'll hear, learn more about Gia and her program. And uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. It's great. She she was teaching when she was teaching golf when she was pregnant. Yeah. No, it's yeah. a wonderful thing. She's well, so good. We are now very happy to welcome Carol Evans to the show. Carol, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? We are. We're, we're Hi, good. Carol. We're just Hi, sort of nice to talk to you. We're, we're sort of whipping through this crazy show today. We've got so much going on, but we didn't want to miss the opportunity to talk with you about the orga- organizing that you did for the Women's March on in Washington last yeah, week. Yeah, give us some details. Oh, I have to tell you, it was the most exciting day that I've had in a long time. And I've had a lot of exciting days because I did a ton of work on Hillary's campaign. So I was there for all the big days during that uh, amazing year of her uh, running and then being nominated and being at the Democratic <clears throat> Convention. But uh, it was really a, a, an uplifting high, high mark for, uh, for women on uh, Saturday. And the organizing that we did was pretty simple. You know, we have Executive Women for Her is a, um, a, a, a volunteer organization of professional, entrepreneurial, and executive women who banded together to um, elect Hillary Clinton as our first woman president. And so after after the devastating loss, um, we we changed the name of our organization to Executive Women for Her, and we are, which is so smart, Carol. It's so smart, and I think it just speaks to uh, what what women are trying to do everywhere. And I I I, I love that idea. I wanted to ask you about uh, the hats because everybody wants to know about the hats and whose idea that was. You know, I, it was the idea of a, of a woman who is a knitter. And, you know, it's funny because I love to knit, and it's something that people don't imagine that I would do, but I do love to knit. And uh, I can't remember her name, but a woman who just is a knitter, she got this idea. To me, it's the most brilliant idea of the march because I had my uh, pink pussy hat, as she called them, and everybody else did too. And people who aren't knitters were given hats by those of us who are. And so there were women, like there's a, a, a yarn shop up on uh, 79th Street in New York City where they just sat and taught everyone how to knit their pink pussy hats, and everybody did it, and it was, and they gave them away. And um, it was just an amazing thing because when you were there, you saw everyone with their pink hats with the little ears, you know, just so adorable, very easy well, to make. Th- that's the thing that I found really beautiful about it was that, I know a lot of people. This is a have a very serious agenda in these women's marches, and this truly softened it. Uh, I have to tell you that I also I, I I did a few a little comedy bit about it the other night where I thought if this was a man's march and this were the opposite uh, organ, I think that it could have been very <laughs> unattractive. But I think in this case, it really worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's and you right. Know, and you know the men were such good sports. There were lots of men wearing those hats too. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah, and that and that's what's really beautiful about it. So I just I know. that's why that's why I need I, I was in the need to know because uh, yeah. it, well, it could it have been very, ugly. It was so grassroots. It just sprung up, and then all of a sudden, everybody heard about it. You know, it was social media at its best. Sure. And the thing was is that you could download the the um, the instructions. 
um, off of many, many different kinds of oh, tweets to send out. Them. Yeah. yeah, and the instructions were adorable. They were done in this beautiful kind of like cartoony thing. Um, and so everybody could just, everybody had the instructions. Um, but yes, we were all so proud of our hats. Now, uh, the other thing, Carol, I wanted to ask you is people are who are, you know, are a little bit of naysayers are saying, okay, where were all these folks in November and where are they going with this now? And I think you're one of the best people for me to ask that question. It's a great question. First of all, these people were all there in November. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by three million votes. You know, so no matter what happened in the election with the crazy electoral college system, you know, which gives votes by acreage, um, people actually voted her in. And that was reflected. And that was part of the reason why this march happened was because, uh, you know, this was an anti-Trump march. Yeah. Make no bones about it. Right. Uh, and people were, you know, are very angry that, that, um, that this happened and that he came in on that under those circumstances. But where are we going from here is, is extremely important. There are so many grassroots groups like ours, um, hundreds and hundreds of them, that are either pre-existing or springing up, and they are all working to capture the momentum of the march. Because the march was not just one march, but was hundreds and hundreds of marches. So there's an estimated 600 marches around the world. They think that might be low as an estimate. Um, so because there were hundreds and hundreds of these marches, the best way to get the energy from it is to let the grassroots groups, which are, of course, by very nature, local and um, springing up from uh, passion, let those groups uh, find their way to make this impact last. And there's a lot of um, kind of like national groups that are providing structure and ideas and information and um, things that, are, uh, that you can execute to these uh, smaller groups. So Indivisible is one of the ones that sprung up fabulous organization that is former staffers of Obama who saw how the Tea Party operated, and they have given out an instruction manual called the Indivisible Guide, and you can Google it and find it right away, and it's all about how to react, how to behave, how to take action right, and to the, uh, yeah, make a sweep in 2018. You know, right. and, and I think it's a little ironic that we are taking any direction from the Tea Party. Just throwing that out there, Carol. <laughs> it is, throwing it is out. but... It's a painful thing, but honestly, they won in twenty uh, in uh, twenty sixteen, right. and we want to win in twenty eighteen. You know, and I think really the key to this is is it goes back to the hat because I think that the angry derogatory comments, the Madonna comments, this is going to get us nowhere. I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got sure. you got to be smart. You got to have a sense of humor, and you you got to be pernicious about it. You got to just keep moving along. But I, I think. Angry, crazy talk is is the first thing that you want to get rid of. That. You want to well, get rid of. Yeah. Let's keep it graceful. Well, the, there and was positive. a great comment about her comment on Twitter. It said, "Don't worry about Madonna, what Madonna said. That's just women's locker room talk." Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I that's the wrong that. thing to put. I yeah. did see that. I, I I think that's hilarious. And my my joke about it is that she couldn't possibly mean any harm by quote bombing the White House because. Yeah. Knock, knock, there's nobody home. 
<laughs> Sorry, that's mine. That's mine. That's great. I, I, I love that. I will start using that and, and attributing it to you. Please start <laughs> using it, Carol Evans. I thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be hopefully talking with you again in the next couple months, getting updates on how all of these projects are going. We really appreciate your time. It'd be my pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. That was Carol Evans. Thank you. Very interesting. She she's wonderful and yeah. I and uh, so well spoken. We actually tried to get her on the show last Thursday, but she was busy organizing and yep appearing on CNN. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she is. She's really great. She's done a lot of work for again the executive women for her, and she's the founder and president of Working Mother Media, something that so many of us can appreciate. We are so happy to be welcoming to the show. We have Alice Ridgeway, uh, who is on the line, and she's the Connecticut State Regent from the DAR. And we also have Linda Murphy Tavlarius. Oh, you got it right. Did I get it right? Okay. <laughs> she is with our local chapter here in Greenwich, and we're going to talk a li- little bit about what's going on on the state level, actually the national level to the state level and the local level. And I heard something about a 125th year anniversary. anniversary. Which we're going to have Alice talk a little bit about. Good morning, Alice. Good morning. And did you actually tell people what DAR stands for? Well, that's why we have you on the phone. Give us the overview. <laughs> So a lot of times people ask, well, what is DAR? And I have to remind them it's Daughters of the American Revolution. And tell us a little bit about how it was founded and and a little bit of a national level kind of uh, top line overview. Sure. Um, Actually, National DAR celebrated their 125th anniversary during 2015 because back in 1890, these women wanted to join the Sons of the American Revolution and were denied. And so they said, fine, we'll start our own organization. And now it has grown into one of the largest community service organization, nonprofit, nonpolitical, open to everyone, um, with about 180,000 members nationwide. And what happened to the Sons? Did they sort of get shafted (laughs) in all this? They they did not grow as much as the daughters have. Aha, uh-huh. Alice, I'm a member of the DAR, but I, I'd like you to explain to our listeners how does one become a member of the DAR? What's the process? Well, there's a number of ways. The obvious is to just go to dar.org, and there's links all over there for exploring membership. You can also go to ctdar.org if you're in Connecticut, and we have links there about how to join. Basically, what people need to do is, with help, prove that they have a lineal descent back to someone who aided in the revolution, and that includes men and women. And I love... I love one of the things that's listed on the national website that, of course, if you're a signer of the Declaration of the Independence, you're, you're in. You're a shoo-in. Yeah, you're a yeah. shoo-in. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's not just people who fought in the war. Um, I, I have 10 patriot ancestors, and one of them is considered a patriot because he donated beef to supply the army. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of ways that people aided in the revolution. Yeah, and I just want to point out to our listeners that if you go on the website, you can map your family tree and there's different ways to go about this, right? So yeah. uh, you can you can take these steps, but who doesn't get in? Yeah, give oh, us an I, example of like somebody that gets kicked out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or doesn't it, it 
you know, no thanks, not our kind. Well, how does that work? Yeah, we don't have not our kind. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> that's not today's DAR. Today's DAR is open to everyone as long as you can prove the lineal descent back to the patriot. And that's where a lot of people run into trouble is sometimes someone will say, "Oh yeah, we're descended from, you know, Patrick Henry." And someone has to actually prove that you are descended from Patrick Henry. And so what genealogists do is they call them brick walls. Every once in a while you'll hit a brick wall. Well, what DAR has at the chapter level, the state level, and at the national level are volunteers, genealogists, who are willing to give up of their free time to help you break down those brick walls. See, I think that's so cool. And, I mean, in in the olden days, you know, 10 years ago, that it was so much more difficult to tra- trace your genealogy than it is. I mean, if you had a, like a musket from the revolution over your fireplace, that might have been like a, a clue. But now it must be fairly easy, no? Well, it's, it's a combination of things. It was actually way easier to join back when I joined 30 years ago because my great aunt had joined and all I had to do was a short form and poof, I was in. And that's how I got in. My mom had already gone through all of that, so I became a, a member just because she had done all, all the research. Right, but now the genealogists at National are far more rigorous. They really are requiring very specific things like vital records for the first three generations and some other very detailed information for proof of service. You can't just be a letter from your great-great-grandmother who said, well, my uncle served in the war. It's got to be more stringent than that. So it's a combination. It's easier with technology, but it's a little bit harder because we're holding to a higher standard. All right, let's talk about what's going on in the state of Connecticut, and then we'll also have Linda talk a little bit about what's going on in Greenwich. Alice, what's coming up in a few weeks? few weeks. Oh my gosh, it's in like 10 days. (laughs) It's in like 10 days. We are celebrating our 125th anniversary. And what's interesting is that in February of 1892, February 20th, CTDAR was organized. um, And but 100 years ago, on February 3rd, we actually incorporated. And what I think is interesting about that is you've got these women who didn't even have the right to vote, and yet they took the steps to form a nonprofit corporation back in 1917. And, and that makes us all proud because, you know, we're all dynamic, strong women. So and we're, what, we're and what a, did they want to do when they uh, incorporated? What was, their, what was their number one thing they wanted to do? Well, so the mission of DAR, and this is true nationally, is promote education which we all know is the best defense of democracy, and also to preserve history, to preserve properties, to preserve artifacts, to preserve documents. And I think Linda has a great example of what's been going on here in Greenwich. Um, Linda, tell us a little bit about your chapter and some of the very interesting historical things that have been happening. Well, about uh, over 100 years ago, a group of Greenwich women formed, uh, well, 120 years ago, actually, uh, a Greenwich group of women formed their own DAR chapter. And a few years later, bought one of the historic homes of Greenwich. Um, thank goodness, because it is one, it's the, it is the, well, I think this is now the second oldest, having discovered something on the beach. I think there's, a, <laughs> there's, there's a very small house on, on a beach somewhere that is the 
the actual oldest, but this is the second oldest house in Greenwich. And, um, and what year would it be, Linda? It was originally built in 1692. Wow. And where is it located? It's on East Putnam Avenue, mm-hmm. 243, so right across from Christ Church. We drive by it all the time. Everyone dri- it's the red. It's the old red house that has a sign in front of it, and so it's a bit of a curiosity. But mm-hmm. um, years ago, every school kid in Greenwich... Um, took a tour of Putnam Cottage. Wow. Um, in the last few years, um, it's it's been less open than it was um, all those years ago. But we are we are moving toward um, making it m- far more accessible and trying. But it's been restored. It has. It's beautifully restored. It's really a sight to see because it has been. It the, it was it was actually famous as Knapp Tavern during the Revolution. So That's for so about, interesting. Yeah, tell us about that. For about thirty years, it operated as a tavern, and it is Greenwich's only surviving Revolutionary War era tavern. There were a handful along East, what what is now East Putnam Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a handful, about five taverns. But, but this was a very. Down, they were torn down. Exactly over the years. Um, one by one, they they fell, and so uh, this is it. And it's been restored to pretty much the way it looked then. It's beautifully furnished. Do it's you really. Hold, do you hold meetings there? We do. We have our chapter meetings, um, and uh, and in fact, we have one of our open houses coming up um, that commemorates uh, the famous event, the famous Revolutionary War event, was that when General Israel Putnam had to was staying at the tavern as he did a lot. And uh, and when he heard that General so, Tryon's I'm, forces were coming for him, um, he rode on his horse down a cliff. It's commemorated on the Greenwich Town Seal because um, it was it, the General Tryon's raid was a devastating event for Greenwich, and uh, and this was them coming into town. He was shaving at his window, got the call, and wow. had to escape to go find soldiers to come back which they did the next day um, and rescue the town. So um, that's, that's that, amazing. It was a it was an, a a great event that occurred at Knapp Tavern, and so um, we we have it um, furnished as, as it was perhaps you know the day that he was. So it's an open house. You said coming up. There will be yes. Who's um, allowed to come to that on February twenty sixth for a couple of hours. Um, from one to three, okay. um, come see us at Nap Tavern, and we will. Um, yes, there's always a crowd, mm-hmm. um, and uh, everyone brings their their kids, and we have um, the wanna, fifth is regiment. Is it still a tavern? Yes, <laughs> I'm just saying. You want a beer? Yeah, <laughs> or is it bring your own? Bring but of course, <laughs> yeah, you may have to bring your own for that. <laughs> it's public event. Um, but one of the other exciting things, just to jump in, is that. Next, or not next week, the weekend after, the President General of the National Society, Daughters of the American Revolution, her name is Ann Turner Dillon from Colorado, will be coming up to Connecticut for our 125th anniversary gala and state conference. And we're making a special point of bringing her down into lower Fairfield County because the PGs, President Generals, rarely get down there. So we're making a special effort, and she's going to visit Nap Tavern while she's Maybe here. we can get her on the radio show. I would love that. Well, you'll have to come on site. Can I, well, you do I'm, a... go- I'm going to be at the um, a big event, so maybe we can do a little side interview and we can roll Absolutely. the tape. Um, but I'm very fortunate to be sitting with Alice. Luckily, I've known her my whole life, so I get to sit with a state regent. Well, I would like to know how many members there are nationally. Is Do we have those numbers? And I would assume we that it, it's mostly Alice. concentrated on the East Coast. Am I wrong? No, absolutely you're wrong. You want to know who's huge? It's Texas. Oh, my gosh. And Georgia. The southern states are massive. 
So um, there are about 180,000. I think wow. 181,000 nationally. Connecticut is about 1.3% of that, first of all, because we're a small state. Um, but we have, you know, anywhere just below 2,400 members in Connecticut. All right, that's a good size. Yeah, I, I, I love being part of the DAR because the volunteerism aspect of it I find fascinating. Let's and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm part of the Hannah Benedict chapter, Carter chapter in, in New Canaan, and we get very involved in the New Canaan community, um, whether it's um, donating food and packaging it ready for Thanksgiving for families that uh, are in need. Um, also going to historical grave sites and, and wiping down the, the tombstones so we can, you know, renovate those and, and refurbish them. Um, lots of different things um, there. Linda, tell us a little bit about some of the volunteer programs you have in Greenwich. Well, we do participate in um, the, we also have Children of the American Revolution that oh, I cool. want to point out Love because that. it's great to get the kids involved. Um, because this is about supporting, promoting patriotic activity. And having too. them understand so, history. That's right. Absolutely. And so um, and so together, uh, we participate in um, uh, parade, in Memorial Day parades and Fourth of July activities. And uh, uh, we do also, um, the, the kids will go um, place uh, flags at the graves wonderful. of Revo- Revolutionary War soldiers and other veterans as well. I think we should encourage people to look into their genealogy if they haven't done that. I think yes, a lot of people yeah. think, oh, I have no idea if I was related to anybody, so oh well. Yeah, it's, yeah. De- it's definitely doable. Hey. Yeah. Well, the number one way Go ahead, I was going to say, the, num- the number one way to do that is to talk to your oldest living relatives as soon as possible because all you need is for someone to say, well, yeah, I think Great Aunt Mary did that. And if Great Aunt Mary did and you can show that you're related to Great Aunt Mary, it's a lot easier than starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Hey, before I forget, um, I was reading on the uh, National Chapter Facebook page that uh, there was a little connection with the inaugural luncheon uh, this past week with the DAR. Um, I understand that uh, the, the lectern at the luncheon was um, from the DAR National or the Constitution Hall, and it's it's a, a an eagle lectern or something. Alice, do you know anything about that? Yes, that lovely eagle lectern, the bronze eagle lectern. We that has actually been featured in a number of inaugural events, and so anytime anyone goes down to National. They always try and get their picture taken with it because it's really, it's a very special lectern, yeah. Can you tell us a little quickly about the national, uh, the building in Washington, D.C., and why it's so unique and interesting? Well, I will tell you that it is an entire city block on the mall. I mean, so it's not like it's a low-rent district. The women women early on said, we need a place to store our historic artifacts from the Revolutionary War, and that's how it started. And, of course, then as the organization organization built, the the library that we use now used to be where the conferences were held, the national conferences. Well, they outgrew that quickly and built Constitution Hall, which you just have to Google Constitution Hall, and you will see all the events, like the Gershwin Awards were there with Billy Joel and all sorts they film, of They filmed television shows and movies there, too, right? Like Jeopardy, House of Cards Jeopardy. is shot there or something? 
They shoot that on the properties, right? Absolutely. Um, Salt was filmed there. And also uh, Jeopardy is on the stage of Constitution Hall at DAR on a regular basis. And also the TV shows like Who Do You Think You Are? Every once in a while they'll be in the DAR library when they shoot that. But anyway, it's turned into administrative building as well as Constitution Hall and and then these beautiful period rooms around the library. And isn't it the only women's owned building in Washington, D.C.? Tell me what that's all about. I do not know that it is the only women owned building. I do know that we always say it is a complex of buildings built and owned and maintained solely by by women. I mean, we have male staff, obviously, that are employees. And but. you know what? I love the, I, I love that we women say we have male staff. I just, there's something that just is, <laughs> it makes me feel so warm and fuzzy, Alice. But I wanted to ask you about funding and maintaining these buildings and uh, how the funds are raised, because obviously, like you said, that's some expensive real estate. How, how does the DAR raise money? Well, so Constitution Hall is not used for free. People, people rent out that hall. And if there are actually videos online that show this auditorium, which holds about, I don't know, three to 4,000 people, wow. being converted into a banquet hall. They put risers over all the chairs, and there's a time-lapse video. So people rent out the hall. That generates a lot of revenue. Each president general has projects, and they raise funds. Um, we also pay dues. It's not like this is an organization you join and that's it. And But the dues are very small compared to the needs of the organization. So lots of states have special projects, like New York mm-hmm. just did a fabulous job putting new wallpaper up in the, their period room. Connecticut's working on a project to replace curtains in the Connecticut room. So there's many, many streams. Plus, you know, we put solar panels up on the building, and there were some funds and grants and things available for that. We want to hear a lot more about this at another time, Alice. Unfortunately, we've we've used up all our time today. We're going to wrap up the show thanking Linda and... Alice, and we look forward to ta- seeing everybody, having everybody on the show. Next week, we've got uh, some interesting folks, including uh, the f- people at the Bruce Museum will be joining us. Oh, yeah. That's going to be, be great. That is because there's the Sicily exhibit that oh, everybody needs to go see. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Kim Burns. And I'm Meredith Bach. 1490 WGCH.